if you had told anybody that we were going to spend 300 million bucks a day for 20 years to try to unite the country after we got bin Laden, after Al-Qaeda was wiped out there, can Al-Qaeda come back? Yeah, but guess what? It's already back other places. The president being as candid as I think he's ever been uh, over the weekend, didn't bring this clip to you yesterday because he had too many things to talk about, but President Joe Biden at a September 11th uh, memorial over the weekend decided to speak candidly to reporters, which is horrifying to his staff. Uh, there was a, I don't know if you saw last week, there was a uh, insider piece. I don't know if it was Politico or the Washington Post. Somebody was saying that staffers in the White House cringe and sometimes even mute the TV when Biden goes on the television and talks to people because they're afraid of what he says. And he said, uh, some pretty interesting things in this clip that we'll get to a little bit later on. Also, Secretary Blinken sat in front of Congress yesterday, uh, and that was a big nothing burger. Could have been awesome, uh, but nobody was prepared, it seemed like, and the whole thing was a mess. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Republicans are going to block uh, Biden's Treasury Department's appointees because of a pretty interesting Russian story. Again, the Biden administration getting cozy with Putin. Seriously, that's a that's a thing that's happening. Uh, we'll explain more of that in a little bit. And also, COVID hospitalization numbers have been inflated for a long time, and it's only getting worse. According to The Atlantic, not a right-wing media outlet, The Atlantic had an article yesterday about COVID numbers, especially hospitalization numbers, being inflated. So jam-packed show for you today. All that and more coming up on this episode of The Joe Bob Show. It starts right about now. Three, two, one. Here we go. Live from a dingy bunker, completely cut off from the outside world, except for you fine folks. My name is Joe Bob. This is the Joe Bob Show. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It is Tuesday, September the 14th, 2021, the year when everything went back to normal. Joe Biden put everything back to normal. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Joe Bob. This is the Joe Bob Show. If you watched yesterday, you may be thinking, is he wearing the same exact shirt from yesterday? Yes, I am. You can't tell me not to. <laughs> I'm wearing my Corruptifornia t-shirt as the election for recalling King Dictator Gavin Newsom is today. Officially, uh, polling places are open. People have been mailing in their ballots. California sent a ballot to every registered voter, which is an insane thing to do. If you remember a couple weeks ago, some guy had 300 ballots in his car just found. Uh, and it's also even more worrisome after I turned in mine and my wife's ballots yesterday. Uh, if you're in California, you should be... Wow, this is interesting. I wasn't really planning on talking about this, but California election laws are crazy. And I learned a lot yesterday having gone to turn in my ballot and my wife's ballot uh, and also getting into some online scuffles with people. Turns out people have no idea what ballot harvesting is. None whatsoever, at least online. I commented on one of King Gavin's posts uh, talking about how ridiculous California's election process is. Uh, and a bunch of people commented back, saying, what are you talking about? This is, our, our elections are super secure. Like, oh. 
when I asked, do, do you know about ballot harvesting? Do you know about the whole motor voter situation? Do you know that we don't purge our voter rolls? Um, do you know that we mail a ballot to everybody? And surprisingly, rather than screaming and yelling at me as is the online way, uh, people were like, no, what are you talking about? So it turns out people just aren't aware of how ridiculous California voting laws are. Yesterday, I went to turn in my ballot uh, as, as well as my wife's ballot, which is a thing that you can do now. You can just turn in anybody's ballot. That's part of the ballot harvesting problem is anybody can turn in anybody's ballot. I went to the city clerk's office and I went to just turn them in. Now, mind you, California has drop boxes everywhere, but I decided to go into the city clerk's office, talk to the lady at the front desk. I hear my ballot. She said, oh, well, you have to sign your name and signature at the top of your wife's ballot. I asked, why? Uh, she said, well, that's just how we're doing it now. Okay. Doesn't really make any sense to me. And I'll tell you why in a second. So I sign her, I write her name and figure, well, shoot, she didn't sign it. So I probably have to get her signature on it before I can turn it in. So I, I asked the lady again, well, I wrote my wife's name on the top of this. What, what do I do now? Kind of playing dumb a little bit. She says, no, 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 you sign that. Oh, I sign it? I write my own name on her ballot and then I sign it and then turn it in? She said, yes. Why? Well, so that we know somebody else turned in that ballot. So then I asked, well, if I'm turning it into a person, yeah, you guys can check, but what happens if I just turn it into a ballot drop box where you just open the little drop box and, and turn it in? And obviously without an answer, she said, well, people are, are uh, those, those ballot boxes are being guarded now by, uh, by personnel. No, they're not. So this is, this is all just an example of how ridiculous the voting is in California. I could take anybody's ballot, scribble in their name and their signature, because the signature matching thing is ridiculous. If you don't have voter ID in your state, you need it. Texas just passed their thoroughly reasonable voting law in which you have to put your actual ID number on your ballot so that they know it's you. But in California, since they mail it to everybody, if I just found a ballot on the side of the street, I could vote and then I could scribble in whoever's name it was addressed to. The signature matchers aren't gonna check. And then apparently I thought I had to get permission from the actual person. No, I just signed my own name on their ballot and turned it in and that counts in corrupt California. So, who knows what's going to happen? Democrats are currently outpacing Republicans in ballot drop-offs by a ton. I think it's 60-40 right now. Democrats have outpaced Republicans in turning in their ballots. Now, having said that, there's no way of knowing uh, who those Democrats are. They could have voted Gavin out and voted for that Parpath guy, voted for whatever other Democrat in to replace Gavin Newsom. Uh, so it's possible that that doesn't mean anything. Also, something that is noteworthy, Republicans historically are generally more skeptical of mail-in ballots, especially when ballots get mailed to literally everybody in the state, which is an insane thing to do. Republicans tend to be a little bit more skeptical of that and will actually go in to vote today to, to an actual polling place. Wow, didn't expect to spend five minutes talking about that, but... I am, yes, getting back to it, I am wearing my Corruptifornia t-shirt this morning again for the second day in a row in honor of the Corruptifornia elections that are happening, which I would 
put money on. I would be happily surprised, but I would put money on that King Gavin remains on his throne due to, in part, the crazy loose laws that California has regarding elections. I'll say it again. I said this yesterday. I said this a thousand times. The Secretary of State's office in California, which is a partisan-held position, is elected by the people, so it's a open Democrat sitting in that position, hires their own staff, 22 million voters across California. They have two people in that office that investigate voter fraud, whatever that means. Because California, again, has legalized voter fraud in a lot of ways in my eyes. I saw it yesterday. I, I, I posted on Instagram yesterday. <laughs> like I could have thought of 10 different ways to cheat turning in this ballot. <sighs> I, I heard a hilarious joke. Joke, statement, I don't know what it is, but a guy said, uh, in order to combat voter fraud in California, I'm going to vote five times. <laughs> which is, which is, yeah, true. Uh, in addition to that, I, I know somebody very well, it's definitely not me, that may or may not have gotten two ballots at two different residences that I may currently live and may have lived at one point. Of course, uh, this person, you know, disregarded that ballot didn't didn't do anything with that other separate ballot but yeah they, they, ballots just get thrown everywhere they're, they're just all over the place california's election laws are insane but I, enough about that i gotta get to biden uh doing biden things yesterday shoot but before i gotta do that i, I gotta talk about the joe bob show shop formerly capitalist propaganda this is the best place to get gear for to tell your socialist friends that their ideas totally suck these are hilarious t-shirts you can get the corrupt California t-shirt there uh, this is it's it's up to you to spread capitalist propaganda to help defeat the empire. Bunch of cool prints over at the Joe Bob Show Shop. Uh, you're welcome. Love capitalism. Capitalism rocks. Uh, and then also the stickers. These stickers are hilarious. I did that, said Joe Biden. Again, pointing at the gas prices that are so outrageously high around the country. Uh, but this is probably my favorite one. I'm I'm so excited for this shirt to come into the mail. The Biden catchphrase T-shirt. What? Because, of course, our, our president is a senile old man who doesn't know what's going on most of the time. And this is the T-shirt that says that. Also, the Corruptifornia T-shirt is there. That's the one I'm wearing today and have worn for the last two days. You can get that in the Joe Bob Show Shop. And this is uh, seemingly irrelevant nowadays, but still could be fun to wear around the Recall Gavin Newsom Obama-fied T-shirt. All of those and more available at the Joe Bob Show Shop. Link in the bio. Uh, help support the show. Help us keep doing what we're doing. Possibly have a pretty big announcement coming up. Uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe over the weekend. Uh, maybe some show changes happening Monday. We'll see, uh, depending on a couple different things. But look out for a big announcement coming out of the Joe Bob Show uh, relatively soon. Uh, that being said, I wanted to get into the stories of yesterday. Secretary A. Blinken, not A. Blinken, A. Blinken, sat in front of Congress yesterday to testify on Afghanistan. He sat in front of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, and it was a disaster. Like, I, I, I want to call it how I see it. I'm not a rah, 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 my side, especially when my, my, my side flopped on their face. Nothing cool came out of that hearing. Again, you have the biggest debacle in the entirety of the last 50 years, the biggest outside of maybe 9-11, no, that's a domestic thing. It, biggest foreign issue in the last 50 years 
the Biden administration's botched pullout of Afghanistan. And then you have his secretary of state sitting for a congressional hearing in front of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And everybody flopped. It, it, it was so disappointing to watch. The most notable thing that came out of it was from uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin out of New York, who, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean by this. We've got clips of the hearing, but a lot of it, it was Zoom. Blinken wasn't there. He was at the, sec the State Department office. Um, a lot of the congressmen, now, mind you, Congress is not in session right now, so this is kind of a snap together committee hearing. But Lee Zeldin had the best, I think, clips out of that thing, and it still wasn't any good. His points were good, but they're congressional hearings. When there's people in the room, when the person being questioned is there in person, and Congress is there in person, there's some fiery exchanges that go back and forth that are that are pretty good and get the American people's attention. This was not that. I'm going to play a couple clips from Lee Zeldin questioning Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, take a look at this. Do you have an exact number? I can't give you an exact number. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. It's really uh, a snapshot at any given moment because what happens is- I asked you as of the last update you received. Yeah, as of the last update, it was about, about 100. Okay, how and, many green card holders? Uh, green card holders is something that we don't uh, track directly. So if you're thinking about this how I'm thinking about it, this is, this is a- a Zoom call. This is an angry guys on a Zoom call going back and forth about policy. N nobody cares about that. It, the, the whole fervor of being live and in person was completely lost on this hearing. Again, a lot of Congress people aren't in D.C. because Congress is not in session. They're back at home raising money, having town halls, doing all the sorts of things that Congress people do on the summer break. But again, even Blinken wasn't there. He did that on purpose. He didn't. He very easily could have walked across the street to Congress from the Secretary of State's office and sat there in person. But he knows he was going to get hammered with questions by people that were there. A couple of congressmen were there. Uh, but obviously, Secretary Blinken decided to stay at the State Department. Um, and again, like you're seeing, it didn't have the heat that these things generally have. Let's listen on a little bit more to Congressman Zeldin uh, questioning Secretary Blinken yesterday on Zoom, on a mean Zoom call. July 31st deadline. Instead, what we should have done was tell the Taliban that we are going to leave Afghanistan when we're done bringing every last American home. Not Now, okay, just for the record, his points are good. But again, the optics are terrible. Operating off of some arbitrary date. You, the administration should not have been lying and misleading the American public. We have an administration that doesn't know how to confront an adversary, under, understanding that they do not respect weakness, they only respect strength. And, and it, it is so greatly unfortunate, the consequences, and I believe that you, sir, should resign. That would be leadership. I yield back. Uh, to so... Sitting congressman tells the secretary of state he should resign. On a Zoom call, it just doesn't hit like it should. That's a big moment. A sitting congressperson telling the secretary of state he should resign, which I don't disagree. Blinken handled this thing terribly. Anthony Blinken 
Secretary of State is one of those people that believes in intellectual diplomacy all the time. It's his decisions why the Biden administration trusted the Taliban constantly throughout that entire debacle. It's his decision of why the Taliban said, oh yeah, we'll let people through. Whoever wants to come home can come home. Clearly that's not happening. And the State Department also, if you remember last week, we read a story from several of the different private entities that are trying to get people out saying the State Department is blocking their access because it's embarrassing. This, this, this is all coming from Secretary Blinken's office. So rightfully so, a congressman is saying, Secretary Blinken, you should resign. But the fact that it's on a Zoom call just doesn't hit. Go to the chamber and sit there and take your questions, Senator Blinken. And also, Congressman Zeldin, I understand you're home and I understand this is the summer break and Congress isn't in session. Take the train from New York, fly to D.C. really quick, hop over, be there in person so that all of your points that are very well formulated land with the fervor that they should. Just a shame, man, that, that Blinken got away scot-free, really. There's no big headlines coming out about the Blinken testimony in front of the House Foreign Affairs Committee because... Nobody, it just didn't, it just didn't hit. And this is, this was interesting. Secretary Blinken, again, answered a question that nobody's asking, which is typical of the Biden administration. Listen to his answer to uh, the The contrary, uh, Congressman. I believe that uh, there's nothing that uh, our strategic competitors like China or Russia uh, or our adversaries like, uh, like Iran, like North Korea would have liked more than for President Biden to have re-upped the war in Afghanistan for another five, 10 or 20 years. Yeah. But nobody's telling you you should have done that. People aren't. I feel like a broken record here. I've been, everybody's been saying nobody's mad at leaving Afghanistan. Polling would show that 70% of Americans think that we should have left Afghanistan a long time ago. Biden had the American people on his side for leaving Afghanistan. But nobody, nobody says that we should have done it the way we did it. Again, this is like everybody in the house agreeing we should order pizza. Yeah, let's order pizza. Pizza sounds good. Let's order pizza. And then the person in charge of ordering pizza orders it with anchovies and dog poop as toppings. Everybody in the house is like, yeah, we agreed. We should get pizza. But what the heck did you just order? <laughs> That's what this is like. And the Biden administration continues to answer the question that isn't being asked. Oh, they're defending the position of leaving Afghanistan. Yeah, dude, nobody's... Nobody's saying that we shouldn't. What we're mad at is how you did it. Again, I feel like a broken record. So if you tune in every day, first of all, thanks for watching or listening, however you take this in. But you've heard me say it too many times. Nobody's asking that question. Yet Secretary Blinken continues to answer it. This was one of the more interesting clips. And this is just, again, going to be indicative of how Democrats are going to take this. Quick reminder, if you have any comments or want to say anything, hit us in the comment section. There's oftentimes we'll bring in comments uh, later on down the road if you make any good points or if I miss anything. Or if you see something that I don't, I, I'm, I'm one person that aggregates the news. Uh, so if you have anything that I should be saying, shoot us in the comments. Uh, we'll try and get to it. Uh, this is next clip that I want to play from a guy named Brad Sherman, congressman out of California, who pretty much exemplifies how Democrats are going to play this Afghanistan situation out past this. 
This guy says so many things that are just wrong. Again, not, not from a disagreement standpoint. Again, this is not a political disagreement. He's not saying, well, I think health care for all is good. And I think that's not going to work, financially speaking. This is, this, again, difference of opinions in terms of policies and politics. That's not what this congressman is getting at. This congressman just says a bunch of stuff that's just wrong to Secretary Blinken on the angry Zoom call that is the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Check out Congressman Brad Sherman from California. When you came into office on January 20th, we were committed to pulling everyone out of Afghanistan within three months by May 1st. Did the Trump administration leave on your desk a pile of notebooks as to exactly how to carry out that plan? Uh, did we have a list of which Afghans uh, we were going to uh, uh, evacuate? Uh, did we have a plan to get Americans from all over Afghanistan to Kabul and out in an orderly way? How meticulous was the planning for the Trump administration declared uh, May 1st uh, withdrawal? Uh, thank you, Congressman. Uh, we uh, we inherited a deadline. We did not inherit a plan. So, <laughs> no, uh, no plan at all. Uh, it's amazing that it wasn't much, much worse. Uh, what? So, <laughs> this is crazy. Like We are living in fantasy world. Congressman Sherman, the goof from California, says... Did the Biden administration inherit a plan for any of a plan of any kind? As if the Biden administration would have taken the plan for just get that out of the way first. If there, there was clearly some sort of plan. There's no, there's no way that the Trump administration had no plan as it looks like the Biden administration did. It's just not possible. Given the fact that the military plans for every contingency, there's no way there was no plan. But this congressman, this goof of a guy, says that, was there no plan left for you? And then Blinken says, we were given a deadline, not a plan. Here's an idea. Secretary Blinken, President Biden, you guys are in charge. Either change the deadline or put together a plan. This idea that the Biden administration is just blindly going into this, oh, the Trump administration set this up and we have no other choice but to completely screw everything up. But, but, but there's what, what can we do? The Trump administration had already put this in place. Dude, you guys came into office and changed pretty much everything that you could change and even things that you couldn't legally and did it anyway because... Apparently, the Biden administration has no regard for the Constitution and the powers of the executive office, but that's a different thing. But Blinken says we inherited a deadline and not a plan. So change the deadline or move the deadline. I don't know if you know this, but the United States is the most powerful military on the state of, in, in the world on the planet. We are the biggest, strongest, and most powerful actors on the world stage. So you can change the deadline. And if you don't want to change the deadline, put together a plan. You had eight months. But <sighs> I lose my hair over this. <laughs> this uh, Congressman Sherman, 
again, the dope from California asking a ridiculous question. And at the end says, well, it's surprising that it didn't go much worse. That, I honestly agree with him on that. It is shocking. Given the lack of planning that the Biden administration put in place, it is shocking it didn't go much worse. Obviously, the terrible bombing in Kabul, the airport that left 13 of our servicemen and women dead, is terrible. But it's surprising that that's only how bad, it, as bad as it got. Really, given, given how awful the planning was from the administration, it, it's a good thing that that's all that happened. But yet, of course, Congressman Sherman, Brad Sherman out of California, dopey dude on a Zoom call, says, well, clearly this is the Trump administration's fault because you, you guys were just left with a deadline and no plan. How? Move the deadline, make a plan. I... <sighs> Over the weekend, Biden was at a memorial. We played the beginning clip at the beginning of the show, if you listen to that. But we're going to play the whole thing. Um, this is as candid as I thought Joe Biden was on this. This is just as deep of a dive into his shallow mind <laughs> that we got. This is Joe Biden over the weekend. If you had told anybody that we were going to spend $300 bucks a day for 20 years to try to unite the countries... After we got bin Laden, after Al-Qaeda was wiped out there, can Al-Qaeda come back? Yeah, but guess what? It's already back other places. What's the strategy? Every place where Al-Qaeda is, we're going to invade and have troops stay there? Come on. Joe Biden with the famous, come on, come on, man. What's the strategy? I don't know, Mr. President. You're the commander in chief. You tell me the strategy. I, why, why are you asking us? I, I don't know. <laughs> you, you're the one that sets the strategy. Go ahead and set the strategy for us and let us know. Not sure if you're aware, but you are the president of the United States, commander-in-chief of the military. You uh, generally are the one in charge of formulating the strategy. But clearly, Joe Biden is, is of the mind of, and, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with him. Again, we're more disagreement on how he's doing things as opposed to what he's doing. Yeah, yeah I don't... Are we supposed to get involved in every possible instance around the world where terrorist organizations are terrorizing their own local people? Obviously, we have to protect the homeland and the home front, but we're doing a pretty good job of that everywhere else around the world. But in some respects, I happen to agree with his line of thinking. I don't know. Are we supposed to go attack Boko Haram in Africa or any of these other... Southeast Asian countries where they have militant groups or all over the African continent where there are militant groups there that dictate over their people. I don't know. But again, this is not the problem anybody has with the administration. The problem that we have is how poorly executed whatever plan it was that they tried to institute in terms of leaving Afghanistan. Uh, got to move on to, uh, some more stuff just because I'm going to run out of time again, just ranting on how ridiculous the Biden administration has been. Um, Biden getting cozy with, uh, the Russians. I, if you haven't heard of the Nord Stream 2, Nord Stream, if you look at this photo, is a pipeline 
from Russia to Germany. Germany has a bunch of oil or, uh, refineries, natural gas refineries, uh, energy refineries, and then they export to the rest of the world. Russia wants to get more of their energy to Germany. Currently, they have to do it by land in trucking trains, all the kinds of different ways that the Russians can get their unrefined oil and natural gas to the refineries in Germany to be sent out all over Europe. Currently, they have to go through Ukraine and they have to go through a bunch of other countries that they have to play nice with in order to get that product to Germany. So a lot of the Russian economy, the Russians state-owned energy company, Gazprom, exports a bunch of their raw materials to Germany. And they have to go through a bunch of other countries, as you can see on that little map. By Russia having to go through those other countries, they have to play nice with Europe. right? Remember, Vladimir Putin, not the most upstanding individual, <laughs> clearly. But he has to play nice with all of the countries that he has to do business with in Europe. Given that currently Russia has to go through all those countries, the United States has been good with them doing that. All right. They're going to export materials. That's just going to happen. We have to deal with it. But we can manage it better and keep Vladimir Putin on his heels if they still have to truck and train all of their natural resources through other parts of Europe and into Germany and the refineries. The Nord Stream 2 is a pipeline that would lead directly from Russia to Germany and bypass all of those other countries. If you remember, Russia annexed Crimea in the Ukraine, and nobody really did anything about it. They just kind of took land from another country, and the United States, nobody, nobody did anything about it. Not sure what we're supposed to do, but also just nobody did anything about it, and Vladimir Putin just took land. But currently, he has to play nice with Ukraine because he's got to get his materials through to Germany. This pipeline would bypass all of those niceties from Russia to Germany. Meaning that there's no, nothing stopping Putin from invading any of these countries and doing exactly what he did with Crimea. Because what he found out in the Crimea annexation was that the rest of the world isn't going to do anything. So... Now that I don't have to play nice with these countries, maybe I go take a bit of, I don't know, Yugoslavia. Or maybe we'll go annex a chunk of Poland. I don't know. But all that stuff was kept at bay because the Obama administration and the Trump administration, bipartisan presidential agreement, agreed that the Nord Stream pipeline couldn't continue. So both administrations working in tandem, the Obama administration and the Trump administration, put sanctions on the company in charge of the pipeline, meaning that they blacklisted and blackballed those companies from getting that pipeline done. Because once the pipeline is done, Russia is going to export, I think, 55 billion cubic meters, tons, I, I'm not sure, a massive amount of oil and natural gas to Germany. And once they do that, the rest of Europe becomes more and more dependent on Russia and 
by default, Putin, which is not a good position to be in. You don't want to be indebted to the Russians or dependent on what the Russians are doing. But that's what this pipeline would do. It would cause Germany and really the rest of Europe, anybody who Germany exports energy to, to be dependent on Putin. Obviously, we don't want that to happen. The Obama administration, to their credit, sanctioned heavily the companies that were involved in the pipeline. So the pipeline was stalled for years. And then the Trump administration came in and did the same thing because the United States has a vested interest in that pipeline not being completed. Earlier this year, the Biden administration took those sanctions off. So, so Russia, you, you want to talk about Russian collusion? Why did the president, whose son was a former employee of a Ukrainian oil company and has deep ties to Eastern European energy companies, energy exporters, you want to talk about Russian collusion? What the heck is going on there with the Biden administration just allowing Russia to take a more dominant position in Europe? I don't know. Why? You tell me what's happening, Mr. President. All of that explanation is to say that now Senate Republicans vow to block Treasury nominations until Nord Stream 2 firm is sanctioned. Senate Republicans on Monday threatened to indefinitely hold up the nominations of top five Treasury Department officials if the Biden administration doesn't blacklist the firm managing Russia's Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Again, the Obama administration did it, then the Trump administration did it. Then the Biden administration decided, let's let Russia do whatever they want and, and grab more and more power in all of Europe by exporting their energy. Why the Biden administration decided to do that, I have no idea. But now Senate Republicans are understanding the danger of Putin's wielding power over the rest of Europe and telling the Biden administration, look, we're not going to confirm your treasury people until you put sanctions back on this Nord Stream pipeline thing, which doesn't seem like a very unreasonable request. I'm not a big fan of people, the uh, president's getting their cabinet denied, regardless of what party they have. Y you get to have your cabinet. Every once in a while, there's one or two that you got to, all right, you know, Republicans say, no, we can't have this person in there. Uh, Xavier Becerra would be one of those people, the former uh, attorney general of California, who is now the head of HHS in Washington, D.C. That would have been a great one to play their hand at and say, no, not this guy. Like, you know, your other people, Buttigieg, uh, your, your, your other cabinet members, fine. This guy's a crazy person. For the most part, I like presidents getting being able to keep their cabinet. They, elections have consequences. Whether or not you agree with the current president, they probably get to have their cabinet. But what's happening here is, again, Senate Republicans are saying, we're not going to confirm your Treasury Department people until you stop this Nord Stream thing, which makes sense for them to do. Um, Senator Toomey and Senator Cruz are kind of heading that up. Uh, so it would be nice to see the Biden administration have a little bit more of a solid dealing with Putin. Again, being Biden administration, for some reason, is soft on Putin. The Obama administration did it. Trump administration did it. Biden just let it happen. Um, I want to get to this story. This is a, another pretty interesting article that was in the Atlantic of all places. Again, the Atlantic is not a right-wing news outlet, obviously. If you read the news at all, 
the Atlantic is not kind to right-wing conspiracies. However, the idea, if you remember during the whole COVID situation, I know people are tired of COVID and I don't really want to talk about it all that much, but this is actually pretty interesting. The whole dying with COVID versus of COVID, hospitalizations with COVID versus of COVID. Well, the Atlantic did a pretty deep dive along with a couple other entities and doing a study on how many people in the hospitals were in the hospital because of COVID or were in the hospital for a completely unrelated reason and happened to have COVID. All of those numbers got clumped together, if you remember. And the Atlantic had a really interesting piece, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> about that. This article, again, from the Atlantic entitled, Our Most Reliable Pandemic Number is Losing Meaning. A new study suggests that almost half of those hospitalized with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic cases. Almost half. The Atlantic, of all places, saying that of the hospitalized COVID numbers, again, the hospitalizations is, is the number you got to look at. Cases, who cares about cases? Because testing, it, there's so many variables that have to involve cases. Testing, when testing is up, cases go up. Does that mean anything different? No, not at all. It doesn't mean anything. That is, cases are zero useful at all. But for so many different reasons, hospitalization and death, death is obviously a lagging indicator uh, because that's the last thing you would do. Uh, but hospitalizations are a pretty good number to look at. But the Atlantic saying a new study suggests almost half of hospitalizations with COVID-19 have mild or asymptomatic cases. Some patients need extensive medical intervention, such as getting intubated. Others require uh, supplemental oxygen or administration of a steroid. But there are many COVID patients in the hospital with fairly mild symptoms, too, who have been admitted for further observation on account of their comorbidities with mild, again, symptoms, or because they reported feeling shortness of breath. Another portion of the patients in this tally are in the hospital for something completely unrelated to COVID and discovered they were infected only because they were tested upon admission. How many patients fall into that category has been a topic of much speculation. In August, researchers from Harvard Medical School, Tufts Medical Center, and the Vet Veterans Affairs Health System decided to find out. Again, trying to find out how many people are in the hospital for completely unrelated reasons and just happen to test positive. So, so if you, I don't know, are doing a backflip off a cliff into water and you break your leg and you go to the hospital and they test you for COVID because that's the first thing that they do when you get into the hospital. Uh, and they say, hey, you're positive. You go, oh, uh, okay, well, my leg is the problem. So <laughs> that's why I'm here. You would get counted into a COVID hospitalization. Obviously, it's difficult to tell, but this article is trying to suggest how many people that is. The portion of patients with, uh, sorry, this is, so March 2020 through early January 2021, the portion of patients with mild or asymptomatic cases was 36%. 36%. So over a third of people were listed as COVID hospitalizations that were just mild or asymptomatic and were in the hospital either because of overly precautious medical staff or because of a completely other reason. The entirety of last year, a third of hospitalizations regarding COVID 
We're not actually COVID hospitalizations in terms of people needing to be hospitalized for their COVID disease. It was something else. They broke their arm playing basketball. I wonder if Tom Segura would be counted in this. If you don't know who Tom Segura is, there's this hilarious video. It's terrible and it's awful. But Tom Segura was playing basketball and tore his ACL and broke his arm in the same play. Uh, and it was very funny and also terribly sad. But anyways, while he was in the hospital, he tested positive for COVID. And his reaction was, oh, okay. I, yeah, I felt kind of sick, but thought that was because all of the drugs being pumped in because my arm and my leg. Uh, but anyways, I, I wonder, does he count? This again, is saying over the last year, a third of hospitalizations, COVID hospitalizations, were not actually due to COVID. From mid-January through the end of June 2021, however, so the last six months, that number rose to 48%. In other words, the study suggests that roughly half of all hospitalized patients showing up on COVID data dashboards in 2021 may have been admitted for another reason entirely or presented mild presentations of the disease. Half. In the last six months, half of people going or counted as COVID hospitalizations. You hear all the time on CNN, MSNBC, all your alphabet networks that hospitalizations are on the rise and COVID is on the rise. And again, it is. It's definitely killing more people now than it was earlier in the year. I'm not a COVID denier. I'm just calling it how I see it. But the idea of all of your networks saying hospitalizations are on the rise is becoming completely meaningless with this uptick in the percentage of people that aren't there related due to COVID-19. They're there for some other reason and just also happen to have COVID. <sighs> I have a bad habit of going long on this thing because I really need to talk about the Met Gala. You may be thinking, the Met Gala? Why are we going to talk about the Met Gala? Because it's freaking hilarious. And this is what's going to replace meme time for today. Because the Met Gala, which happened yesterday, is the most hoity-toity gathering of rich folk to set up. The Met Gala is dumb. It's just a dumb thing. Yet, people pay attention to it. All of your, your super rich people go to the Met in New York and eat expensive food, and it's a party, essentially, is what it is. $30,000 a plate, too. Like $275,000 per table. So, yeah, you got to be super rich to be able to afford to go to those this thing. Um, having said that, I do want to go someday. Because <laughs> if, you, if you're not familiar with the Met, it is the peak of fashion. In New York City, all of these people dressed up like uh, like crazy people, is really, and calling it fashion is what the Met is all about. So I, I I think it would be hilarious to go either in a t-shirt and shorts and completely not play in the fashion thing. That would be just super funny. I generally would say I, I don't want. I have no interest in going to that whatsoever. But this one I, I actually would have an interest in going, only for the purpose of ridiculing and making fun of the whole process behind it. Showing up in shorts and a tank top. Yeah, screw you with your fashion. Um, we're we're going to get some photos of people in a, in a second. 
But uh, yeah, or either that, or I would go, or I would go big on the fashion. I would say, all right, let's go to the local dumpster, and we're gonna throw whatever you want. Like, is there a trash bag? Cool. I'm gonna wear that on this sleeve. Uh, let's find a used T-shirt. All right, that's going on this sleeve. Um, all right, bikini bottoms. I'll wear those. Fine. <laughs> and then and call it fashion. You remember Zoolander? Uh, Mugatu's big fashion piece was derelict, looking like homeless people. Uh, apparently, that was just a look into the future because that's what a lot of these people look like at the Met Gala. Uh, I don't understand celebrity. I don't understand fashion in terms of this. But this is something that people do. Among the attendees, uh, $30,000 a plate, was socialist congresswoman AOC. She wore something very interesting, and we'll get to that in just a quick second. But, yeah, interesting. The socialist congressperson shows up to the most expensive hoity-toity dinner in all of America. How perfect is that? It's Dan Crenshaw tweeted, he's like, I'm not even mad anymore. This is just funny. The, the hypocrisy behind the socialist congresswoman going to the rich elite ball is just funny. Now, obviously, AOC is at least somewhat aware of how ridiculous that makes her look. So she wore something that tried to mitigate that, but it just made her look even more unaware. Uh, AOC, socialist congresswoman, trying to fit in with the rich hoity-toity crowd. Uh, <clears throat> like I said, in terms of uh, meme time, we're gonna we're gonna review this as a, I'm gonna review some of these outfits as if I was a red carpet individual. First, coming up the red carpet, we have ASAP Rocky and his date Rihanna. Wow, stunning, absolutely gorgeous. ASAP Rocky in a blanket that appears to be deflated water balloons, and Rihanna in a curtain from her mother's house. Uh, just absolutely stunning, gorgeous, gorgeous. After that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, that is Grimes, singer Grimes. Grimes, as you know, is the mother of Elon Musk's most recent child, whose name I do not know and cannot pronounce. But of course, she is dressed stunningly as the Ice Queen of the North. Yes, beautiful, sword and all, mask and all, yes, absolutely stunning, gorgeous, gorgeous fashion icon, Grimes dressed as a winter soldier in a fantasy novel. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely stunning. Next, oh my goodness, is that Kim Kardashian coming down the red carpet. Absolutely beautiful. Kim Kardashian sporting the Dementor look from Harry Potter. Oh, the, the, the grace, the elegance of the Harry Potter world just all coming together in Kim Kardashian's ensemble for the Met Gala. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, completely and, and totally fashion at its peak. Kim Kardashian dressing as a Dementor, uh, reverting back to the horrific experience that Dementors have in the Harry Potter series, calling attention to that critical, critical social need 
are we all dementors is essentially what Kim Kardashian is saying. Absolutely beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, absolutely stunning. Kim Kardashian and Kanye dressing as Harry Potter dementors just weeks before Halloween. <laughs> absolutely stunning. And finally, actually not finally, we have one more. This is Ava Chen. Ava Chen bravely dressing as the parachute that kids use in elementary schools. So stunning, so beautiful, so bold. And of course, she needed to have a racing stripe on there as if she were in Mario Kart. The finish line for a racing Mario Kart game on her sleeve. The parachute that kids use to play the parachute game, which obviously is a signal to protecting our children from this COVID disease. So beautiful, so bold. <laughs> what more can we say? And of course, last but not least, AOC, the socialist Democrat in the Congress, going to the richest and most hoity-toity events of all of the country, the Met Gala, dressed in a dress that, that said, tax the rich. How beautiful, how bold. Tax the rich, AOC's dress said. Uh, <laughs> I found this on Twitter. Who wore it better, AOC or the Chick-fil-A bag? Honestly, the Chick-fil-A bag did. But uh, AOC completely unaware of the total and utter hypocrisy of her going to the most fancy, rich, hoity-toity gathering of people in all of the country, maybe even all of the world, and wearing a dress that says tax the rich. Dude, you are the rich. I don't know, Miss AOC. You are the rich. This is what rich people do. So, of course, uh, AOC, again, completely unaware of her own hypocrisy. She was aware at least a little bit because she had to wear the $1,000 dress that said tax, tax the rich to the hoity-toity convention to show that, yeah, I, I may be at the richest and most wealthy dinner of the year. But I'm going to offset that by saying all these people should pay more taxes. Great job, AOC. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks so much for tuning into the Joe Bob Show. Uh, dang, just yesterday I was saying I'm trying to keep these things at 37 minutes. That's your standard AM broadcast time. And we end up going an hour, and I don't understand how. There's just too many things to talk about. I, Joe Biden, could you calm down? Uh, by, just calm. Everybody calm down so that I can get these things in in a normal time frame. There's just too much to say too much of the time. We'll see you tomorrow, bright and early. Uh, possibly a big announcement coming tomorrow. We might actually might shuffle things up a little bit as a part of the announcement uh, during tomorrow's show. So keep an eye out for that. If you're in California, haven't turned in your ballot, haven't voted, make sure you go do that. Vote for whoever you want to vote for. I don't care. Just as long as we get King Gavin Newsom out of there uh, and can overcome the insane looseness of California election laws. If you haven't checked it out, go check out my show, Quality Control, over on Daily Caller. Uh, this week we did the whole ivermectin thing uh, with Joe Rogan, how the media was completely out of line for the whole last week. Uh, that's a great episode. Uh, that is up today over on the Daily Caller called Quality Control. Whew, that's going to do it for us. Hopefully uh, get, to get this thing chopped down to a more reasonable time frame next time but uh thanks so much for tuning in we'll see you tomorrow god bless america